Did, did you learn anything? Some of you are going to be looking around and trying to determine who's got the most wrinkles. Remember that part? All those frowns create wrinkles, huh? I don't know. I didn't know that. It's just it's, it's interesting to learn about the human body because this body is complex and it's amazing. And God did an incredibly wonderful thing when he created this universe and when he created us. Uh, that, it, that it all works to, together so beautifully. And uh, this morning we're going to focus on the biblical teaching that God created us and what that means for life and for the stuff that's a part of our life. We wrap up this sermon series, It's All God's, and look forward in December to a new sermon series for Christmas. But I want to wrap this one up today. And, and for those of you, this is your first time or, uh, or you're new to our church, we're, we're, we're looking at some different perspectives to help you understand how we as Christians see our lives and therefore see our stuff, and we're going to talk about giving. And there are a lot of reasons Christians give, generosity and wanting to be a blessing to other people, wanting to make a difference in this world. But this month in this series, we've been focusing on just reminding ourselves of the biblical truth of the order of things in the universe, that God is the one who created the universe. That's what we looked at our first Sunday together. And in creating the universe, everything in it is His. And that's the foundation for how we see life and how we see ourselves and how we see our responsibility with what we have in life and our resources. God created it. He created everything and He owns it. We, we talked about how not only when God created the universe, He also he created us. He created humanity. And as such, He put His stamp upon us. We're all created in His image. We reflect the image of God, and therefore we're His possession. And then Brother David, when he, when he preached when I was out for surgery, talked about the fact that on the cross Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sin, and in so doing redeemed us, bought us back, purchased our freedom from sin and its consequences from the grave, from Satan, from hell. And, and therefore as disciples of Christ, we're twice owned, twice bought, if you will. We're the creation of God. We're in the image of God. His stamp is on us. Jesus died for us. We're His, and we're to glorify Him. And today I just want to take us back to the very beginning, if you will, that when God created the universe, He created this beautiful, wonderful body. And everything I accomplish in life, everything I achieve, whether it's with my intellect, my skills, my stamina, my energy, everything I produce, everything I earn, everything I create, everything that I do as a result of this body and all that's a part of it is a gift from God. Because if God had not created me with the intellect, with the skill, with the energy, with the capacity to do stuff, I would not be able to accomplish anything, to earn anything, to make anything, to do anything, and neither could you. And one of the reasons we as Christians tithe and give is we're recognizing that everything we're able to accomplish in life is dependent on God who gives it to us and gives us the very ability to do it. But in your notes and on the screen are those words from Psalm 139, verses 13, that talk about creation of the body. And notice what the Bible says. He says, for it was you, God, it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that. I know that, God, very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless, when I was just that, that unformed substance, if you will. Right now, as I mentioned, our daughter is in the early stages of, of pregnancy. 
and within her body. God is doing this marvelous, remarkable, beautiful, amazing, wonderful thing of fashioning substance into a human, into a being, into a person that will take shape over nine months. It's a beautiful thing. And what we as disciples of Jesus Christ want to do is recognize that, that our life is dependent on God. He, my, my body is God's creation. My body is God's gift to me. And all of the ability to do anything exists because of this body God gave me. I, I, I have skills and I can sharpen them and, and I, I can be disciplined in using them. I have a mind and I can train it and I can study it, but God gave me the mind and He gave me the capacity to learn and to sharpen it. I have stamina and energy, but God is the one who created this body so that I eat food and it's transformed into energy and I'm able to do stuff. I breathe and live, but it's God who, who, who gives us the very oxygen that we breathe that keeps us alive. Our body, our very existence is dependent on this beautiful act of creation by our God. And, and therefore, everything I make, as I said, is made possible by my Creator. I want you to look at one passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8. God is talking to the Jewish people. And the principle that He describes here is true of us today. And I want you to look at what He says in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, chapter 8, starting at verse 11. He said, here's the human tendency. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His ordinances and His statutes, which I'm commanding you today. Different words for the directions that God gives us in life. He said, be careful that you don't forget those. Verse 12, otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied, have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, here's the tendency. Your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out, of, out from the land of Egypt, out from the, the, the bond of, of the house of slavery. You, you'll forget the God who created you. You'll forget the God who loves you. You'll forget the God who died on the cross to save you. You'll forget the God who made you what you are. You'll forget the God who is at work in your life. That's the human tendency. And I said this whole month that at the very core, the very essence of humanity's bad choices is this battle that we, we tend to fight with God, this argument we have with God, because as humans, we resist recognizing God's rightful place in the created order. We resist recognizing that God is the creator of everything and therefore the owner of everything. And we argue with God about our true place, that we are not the center of the universe. We are important. We are special. But we're not the center of the universe. God is. That we are not the creator. God is. And that everything we create, we create with ability and with stuff that God gave us in the first place. We create nothing from nothing. In Genesis 1, the Bible teaches that God created this universe, ex nihilo in the Hebrew, from nothing. There was nothing, and suddenly there was substance. Everything you and I accomplish in life, we accomplish with some substance that already existed before we started doing anything. We're completely dependent on God. But we have this tendency to argue with God and forget about that. God, about that. And, and with Thanksgiving coming up, I was really uh, drawn to verse 12 when he said, when you have eaten and are satisfied, 
because Thursday, that's what's going to happen to just about every one of us, right? We're going to eat way too much, and we're going to be way too satisfied. How many of you are going to eat a lot of turkey and dressing and different things, and, and then you're going to find some place, and you'll loosen the belt, you'll loosen the pants, and the next thing you know, you're snoring? Anybody going to have that experience Thursday? Huh? I probably will. And we, we all get sleepy because we get really full and we get really satisfied. And people talk about that, whatever it is in Turkey that's supposed to make you sleepy. That's not the reason we get sleepy on Thanksgiving. It, it's not that trime of whatever that is in Turkey meat. You know why we get sleepy on Thanksgiving? Because we're fat that day. We get sli- this, this is a medical reality. We get sleepy on Thanksgiving Day because we eat too much. The average American, when they sit down for Thanksgiving dinner, will eat in excess of three thousand calories in that one meal that's why we get sleepy now i've lost weight over the last year and a half if you all know my average calorie intake per day is 1970 thanksgiving day i'm shooting that thing with a shotgun and i'm going to get sleepy because of it and the reality is we, we get fat in life we get satisfied we get happy we get full We enjoy, and the human tendency is to forget the blessings that made us full, the blessings that satisfy us came from God. The capacity we have to produce all of that exists because God created this body with that capacity. And so God is reminding the Jewish people in the Old Testament, that's the human tendency, and He's reminding you and me today, here in 2013, we have the same tendency to get satisfied and to forget God. He said, when you've eaten and are satisfied, in verse 12, you've built good houses, lived in them. When your herds and your flocks multiply, you know, when you're, you get that new job, that raise at work, your, your stocks go up, whatever it is, your silver and your gold multiply, and all that you have, you know, life goes forward, and life is good, and there's that tendency to, that when we have stuff that satisfies and stuff we want to forget God. But there's another tendency. Look at verse 17. Verse 17, he said, Otherwise you may say in your heart, My power and the strength of my hand made, this, made me this wealth. He said, another, another tendency we have is to say, It's mine. I did it. I deserve this. I worked for this. I planned for this. I earned this. And you and I are to be stewards, and we are to work hard. We're to have a good work ethic. And we are to plan. But we would not be able to do any of that if God had not given us the capacity to do it in the first place. And so the tendency is to forget God. The tendency is to say, look at what I did, rather than saying, God, thank you for the blessings of life and thank you for the blessing you gave me, the ability you gave me to do this. So remember, he says in verse 18, look at verse 18, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you the power to make wealth. So, now with that background, what are you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, supposed to do with what we have? What's what's the attitude I'm supposed to have, the attitude you're supposed to have as a follower of Christ toward our stuff, toward our talents, toward our energy, toward our skills, toward our money? What's the attitude we're supposed to have toward all these blessings of God and the ability to do things? What's the attitude? Here's the attitude we're supposed to have. We are supposed to honor God, our Creator, 
with all that we are and all that we have and all that we make. He's the one that makes it possible, and therefore we are to honor Him with all of it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Now, very few people today in America will say, I'm wealthy. I get that. I understand that. In fact, you know, sometimes people say, if I have this amount, I'll be wealthy. Then they get to that amount, and they say, no, I'm not wealthy if I have that. Not, we just don't say we're wealthy. But when you compare the average American, the average person in this room, to the average person on this planet, most of us are extremely wealthy. The truth is, most of us in this room, now there are some exceptions, but most of us in this room compared to the average American are at least average or better off than that. We really are. There's very few of us in this room who live below the poverty line like so many people in this country do. We're wealthy. And God says all of our wealth, everything we have, all the stuff we accomplish, all of our resources, we are to honor Him by what we do with that and with the, with the first, the first fruits. Honor Him first, not ourselves first. Now, I'm going to tell you one of the things I really like about Thanksgiving. is turkey and stuffing. Not dressing, stuffing, because the real stuff is stuffed in the bird. Now, I know all the health warnings, but I'm going to ignore them. I, I've been doing it for 55 years, and I'm not sick yet. And so this Thursday, I'm going to stuff that bird, and it's going to be good. And I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to enjoy the, the sweet potatoes with a lot of brown sugar in them. And other th- I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to enjoy pumpkin pie. But one of my favorite things about Thanksgiving is on Friday and Saturday and Sunday, I'm able to take fresh bread, some mayonnaise, cheese, turkey, and stuffing and make me a big old thick sandwich. I love that turkey and stuffing sandwich. And that's all I want to eat for the two or three days after that. I love Now, I don't know if you do. What did I say? I love it. And I'm going to enjoy that. So when I'm watching ball games on Friday and Saturday, I'm going to be eating turkey and stuffing sandwiches with mayonnaise and cheese, okay? So just think about me on those days. I love it. I really do. I don't know what you like, but I love that. Inevitably, the leftovers at Thanksgiving, we eat some of them. And as it gets closer to Sunday or Monday, what happens? Some of them getting thrown out, right? They don't all get eaten usually. It's not unusual around our house. Monice and I like to cook. And we have leftovers, we'll put it in the fridge, and we'll eat it the next day. She'll take it to lunch. But sometime toward the end of the week, we'll start thinking about it. It's time to go buy groceries. And so I'll go over and start cleaning out the fridge. That's my little routine, start cleaning out the fridge. And I say, Monisa, what is this? When did we fix those pork chops? How long has that been in there? And uh, when in doubt, it goes out, right? Now, leftovers are okay. Nothing wrong with leftovers. They're, They're good. But leftovers are not as good as a freshly prepared meal. And a lot of leftovers end up where? In the garbage. Why is it as followers of Jesus Christ, many of us only give God leftovers? Leftovers that... good it's okay but we don't care about it the same way we do a fresh meal and we might just end up throwing it out 
Why don't we tend to give God leftovers in our time and in our service? Why don't we give God leftovers when it comes to our money and stewardship? Why, why, why does God, who created us and gives us the capacity to, be, to have everything we have in life, why does He get the leftovers? Instead of the fresh turkey and stuffing and casseroles and so on. Why? Leviticus 27, verse 30, Thus all the tithe of the land tithe 10% of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. The Jewish people were an agricultural people, so when they gave, they gave what they had. It was out of either produce or livestock. And that verse talks about produce. Verse 32 of Leviticus 27, Every tenth part of the herd or flock, whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. There's the livestock. Well, you and I don't trade in crops and livestock. We have other stuff. Well, that other stuff is the same thing. It's the tenth, and it's holy to the Lord. The tithe is God's. I have no control over that part because it's holy to the Lord. It's His. It's not mine. Y'all remember the uh, tsunami in 2004? What was it? The, the day after Christmas struck... Uh, uh, you know, the earthquake in the Indian Ocean and parts of Asia got devastated. Sri Lanka was one of the places hit the hardest. Over 35,000 people died in Sri Lanka alone. More than 100,000 homes completely destroyed. A few days afterward, there was a local fisherman went out in his small boat to fish. And the first fish he caught, he gave to a local pastor. And the pastor said, no, you need to take that home and feed your family. This fisherman said, no, I've got to give the first fish to the church. Please take it and feed the people working at the church. Working at the church were local and international Christians providing assistance. Here's this guy in these terrible circumstances understood that for God, it's, it's not the leftovers, it's first. And just think of all the excuses we make, all the arguments we give, all the reasons we put forward. So this, this is all about reminding ourselves that, yes, we're created in God's image and we are a special part of creation but we are still created beings who have a creator. And everything in our life is a result of his choice to create us and to create us with the capacity to accomplish things. And if you want to know why followers of Jesus give, that's one of the reasons. It's because we don't want to act like we're God. We want to remind ourselves that we and all that's a part of who we are is a gift from Him and we're thankful for it. And we want to manage it in a godly way, do it in a way that honors Him. That's why we do it. There are other reasons, but that, that's, that's, a, that's a, a, a big one. I want to jump ahead to Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. The first part of that verse says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse was where they stored the stuff that was given as a tithe there at the temple area. It's what we call storehouse tithing to your local church. 
He said, so that there may be food in my house so that they would have the resources to do the work they were supposed to do there in Israel so that we can have the resources to do the ministry God is calling us to do as a church. And then he says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, the rest of the verse, test me now in this, says the Lord, if I will open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Now, listen, you'll turn on the TV and you'll hear some preacher say, if you give, God will give you more and make you rich. God will provide for your needs. Scripture doesn't say God's going to make you the wealthiest person on earth. That's not our motivation for giving. We give because we trust that when we do, God will take care of us. God will provide our needs, and he will give us blessings that are unexpected and blessings that take many forms, sometimes financially and other times other shapes. He will bless us, and we trust him because we know this God who created us loves us and will provide for us and will take care of us. I want to share with you an email that I got about a little over 10 years ago. Sent to me by one of our members, and I won't identify who it was, and I want to read parts of it. Here's what, here's what this lady sent me. She said, this Sunday I almost fainted in church because the sermon was a direct answer to my prayers. Sunday morning my husband and I got into a terrible argument about exactly what you talked about in your sermon. For some time now, I've been wanting to tithe, but my husband is resistant. It has made me very sad. Our, fan, our, our finances are not great. We've, we've had some problems. But I have faith that we will be blessed by tithing in so many ways. I'm trying hard to follow Jesus' commandments and become more like Christ. My husband makes out the check for the church to his predetermined limit, and he feels we're already paying enough. I didn't know what you were going to preach about Sunday morning, and when your subject money in quotations, money, flashed up on the screen, I almost fainted. I sat there and smiled through your whole sermon and let God reach my husband. After we left, I didn't say a word. That's probably wise. A few hours later, my husband came to me and asked, okay, do you think we can tithe? Just wanted you to know that God is answering my prayers. Now, I'm not wanting to create any arguments at home. But the truth is, most of us have argument going have an argument going on with inside ourselves. About God and His place in the universe and God and His place in my life. And about my place in this universe. And one of the reasons people react when preachers talk about money It's because money goes to the very heart of how we see the universe. Our stuff goes to the very heart of how we see ourselves and how we see God. And whether or not we trust Him, whether or not we believe He is the one that creates and gives and enables, whether or not we are surrendered, fully surrendered, whether or not we're willing to be obedient. And it's, just not, it's not just about money. So that same principle applies to how I view my time and how I view my talents, how I view my calling in life. And I know some of you are having this argument within yourself right now. 
I get that. And what I'm talking about for some of you is not easy. You struggle with it. That's the reason I, I'm teaching because, you know, parents sometimes have to help children learn lessons kids don't want to learn. Sometimes as a preacher of God's Word, my job is to help you have a conversation with yourself as you listen to God about something that can make you uncomfortable. Because if all I ever do is say things to you that's easy, that, that don't challenge you, I'm not helping you any. There's enough of those kind of preachers in this world today. We've got to deal with the real issues of life. And that, that's, that's another reason that I want to encourage you to try something. I mentioned it last week. Let me mention it again today. Especially if you've never done this or you don't do this, I want to challenge you just for one day, for one day to obey God in this area, just one time, just one day. On December 8th, I call it Prove the Tithe Day. I'm going to challenge you, encourage you, if this is a conversation you're having with God, if this is a struggle you're having, I want to encourage you to test God to try it this one day, this one time, and see what it's like. Because I promise you, it'll be so much more than, than just about you writing a check. It's going to be about this conversation that happens in you because there will be a conversation that happens inside yourself. If you do this, you're, you're going to look in a mirror and you're, you're going to examine some things in your life, and that's a good thing. God's going to make you think about life and think about where you are. And, and for some of you, God's going to use this experience to make you think about, you know what? I need to get my financial house in order. God's going to use this to cause some of you to learn some things about budgeting, to help some of you learn some things about making good decisions, not just spontaneous spending decisions. God's going to use this to help some of you think about wants versus needs. God's going to use this to help some of you think about what do you have to have before you're going to be happy in life. God's going to use this to help you deal with other issues. I don't know what they are. But this is going to be a time of growth. And so I want to encourage you for this, just this one time, this one Sunday. Now, I hope you'll become obedient disciples who do this always. But, but what I'm asking for now is just this one, one time. And some of you will want to become good stewards and tithers, but perhaps you've dug a hole so deep you just can't get there tomorrow. Well, the only way you're going to get out of that hole is start climbing. The only way you're going to move from where you are to where you want to be is start taking some steps to get there. How many of you ever said, well, you know, one day I'm going to do such and such? You know, I, I hope, I, I'm, I'm going to, I, I, I want to do this. Someday I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You've got all these ideas, things you want to do, and you've been saying, one day I'm going to do such and such, and you've been saying that for years. And you're no closer to it today, whatever it is, than you were when you first started saying it. Because simply saying it won't get you there. You've got to start taking some steps. That's how a journey to a new place happens. You start taking steps. And for some of you, you may be at zero and you have to move. You can't move to 10%. You may move to 2%. And then another year you move to 4%. And then another year you move to 6%. Or whatever it is. But you, you need to start the journey. Because if you don't, you're going to be sitting here 10 years from now saying, one day I'm going to, one day I'm going to. And you're never going to get there if you don't start the journey. 
And so try it this one day and let that, be, let that be the beginning of you starting your journey to where God wants to take you. And apply that same principle to other things in your life. Your retirement. Getting out of debt. College funds. Same principle applies to everything. You've got to start the journey somewhere. And the last thing and I'm done. You can't say yes to new things without saying no to some old things. You can't say yes to some new things without at the same time saying no to some old things. And you need to figure out what those no's are so you can say some yeses that will make your life better. All right? Why do Christians give? Very basic reason. It all belongs to God. And we don't want to ever forget that. We want to keep perspective. We trust Him. That's one of many reasons. Lord Jesus, we love you with all our heart. But just like in our human relationships, sometimes we struggle in specific moments to act like it. Forgive us for that. And thank you, Father, for loving us no matter what, being faithful to us no matter what. Lord, in this room of people who are thinking about different things, struggling with different issues, different problems they're burdened about, different needs they have, different things they're searching for, And I pray right now that your spirit will work in their heart and mind and help them with whatever it is they're dealing with. Those who need to make public decisions, help them come and do it right now. For us in Jesus' name we pray.